So the pass is going to come from Livers. He rifles it right in front of us to Abdul Rahman at midcourt. Extra pass. And it goes for the win! The three-pointer by Jordan Poole! A freshman has won it for the Wolverines! And we're back. Episode 29 of the Mac and Bees podcast. As always, I am Bogar Leip across the glass. Cody McKay. Mac, how are you doing? Uh, I, th- I think I'll just let my voice kind of answer that question for you. Yeah, you're a little bit hoarse today. Two days. Yeah, hoarse and uh, on cloud nine still from, <laughs> from that high that I received from that Thursday night. Or Saturday night buzzer beater. Saturday me. night buzzer beater. So that's going to be the main topic of conversation for us today. We'll get into some of the other parts of March Madness. It's been a pretty crazy tournament thus far. But like we said, what we came into today, the Jordan Poole shot, it's obviously the shot of the tournament, one of the biggest shots in Michigan basketball tournament history, I'd say. It's up there with Trey Burke. Uh, there's a lot to get into. We can start with the pl- the last play itself and then maybe get into like the lead up of that play, whatever you want to start off with. But just your thoughts about the game, that play the moment in itself. Yeah, I mean, I've talked to you about this, and you know, those who follow me probably on social media have heard. It's, for me, the peak of my sports fandom career as far as a moment goes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can remember vividly, like you mentioned, the Trey Burke shot against Kansas to tie it and send the game to overtime. I had similar celebration, but just, you know, I guess we can talk about it later. You can get into it. Where we were, you know, the, the mm-hmm. setting, the environment that we got to be a part of, be attending the university right now and just fully expecting a loss 100% for the last 15 minutes of real time mm. before the shot happened we were outplayed and we played like dog shit the first game we looked like we were going to snap out of it in, in like the first six seven minutes of this game and then went right back into our lulls mm-hmm. and got outplayed the rest of that game so everything was pointing towards an early exit you know and then you're going to hear about all the haters that all the analysts, I mean, a lot of us, a lot of them picked us, but then a lot of them had us nodding out saying that, you know, we can get cold like this. But this team is different because they play defense. Mm-hmm. And that's what has kept them in this tournament. Michigan is in this tournament because they play defense. And, you know, giving up a total of 110 points this tournament so far, that's what's keeping their head above water. And they're going to have to snap out of it to move on. But what a moment for Jordan Poole and the rest of the Michigan Wolverine team. Yeah. Uh, Although the end of the game, it was a really close game. So although we both agree, we were both prepared for a loss. Up until that final play, even leading up to it, it was still within a one-possession game for the last five minutes. It was just the entire second half, how it was going. Michigan went about five minutes without scoring a point from the 10-minute mark to the five-minute mark. Uh, Houston had their chances, had free throws to win the game. Somehow missed two at the very end. They were able to call a timeout. The play itself, the final play itself, became a little hectic. So they have the uh, the set that they usually have baseline out of bounds when they have to go the entire distance. Uh, got blown up, so Muhammad Ali had to catch it. At a standstill, turned in the middle. Drew a trap, kicked it out to Jordan Poole. So it was, the play itself didn't go as planned. They can say the pra- they practiced that play. But how it ended up was just a hectic play and an amazing play for Muhammad Ali, Abdul Rahman. Because the way he was playing, he was forcing all second half. 
So as soon game. as as soon as he took those couple dribbles to midcourt, I was expecting him to heave it. But he understood there was a couple more seconds left. He was able to find Jordan Poole, who was 30 to 35 feet from the basket, put it up a prayer, honestly a prayer. And he hit it, and Here the rest are. is history, yeah. Uh, Devin Davis is the guy that is going to go down in infamy for Houston. He was the one that we were watching the game. We were at Skeeps. We were at a bar here in Ann Arbor. And I was, we were both looking at the screen because he went up to the free throw line. I believe we were up one. He went up to the free throw line, hit both to go eight for eight from the line. And I'm looking at you saying, the dude's like a 65% free throw shooter. Like he has to miss eventually. He has to miss eventually. Michigan goes down. Muhammad Ali misses a jumper. Matthews missed the putback. Same guy gets fouled. Goes up there, misses the first one. So we're like, okay, finally, he's missing free throws. Hits the second. And here's the point where I was getting upset with Beeline. Because at this point, he had two timeouts. So two timeouts down to last possession. There's 25 seconds left where he makes the free throw to go up two. Don't call a timeout. And I'm screaming at the bar saying, is Beeline just going to take two timeouts home with him? Is he not going to use a timeout? He was fortunate in the way that he was able to call a timeout to set up the defense after we missed the, uh, forgot what, it, it was a foul on Matthews, and they call a timeout to get themselves organized right. before the free throws. Right, to kind of get set up to know, you know, what the game plan was in every situation. Mm-hmm. Um, that way, you know, all the players, we didn't have another uh, Chris Weber situation maybe yeah. where somebody was worried to call a timeout because of that. You know, he let everybody know we do have one timeout left. They missed that second free throw. And Mo you're getting gets it down immediately. and you're calling timeout right away. They did it flawlessly. And that's what they did. Luckily, there was minimal um, yeah. opposition on the on the free on the. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know if they had anybody on. the I line. don't even know if they had anyone, but it was an easy rebound. Mo called it immediately. No, so it was there's a coming down with the ball. Yeah, so there's a two timeouts right there, and then they set up the play. It's just as a, for Houston, it's got to be. Oh my God, it's heartbreak for us. It was pure jubilance. It was sports ecstasy. We were. We were part of a scene at Scorekeepers that I that we said was it was like a movie. It was literally everybody. You had the sense in in the bar that everyone was expecting a loss. Yeah. Maybe it was just us. We were watching that game down. It was down two with two free throws at the line and three point six seconds left. Down two, the other team Full shooting two. A guy who's shot seven for eight from for the game mm-hmm. or nine, nine for, for ten. ten nine for ten game. at that point. Misses the first one, so then it starts getting a little bit louder that, okay, even if he makes the second one, they'll have a chance. Right. And but. what was what was especially demoralizing to me is that Muhammad Ali Abdul-Rahman, the previous possession before the Matthews foul, had an open layup. Mm-hmm. Wide two. open. Wide open. There's no other way to describe the situation, describe the play. It was a blatant, flat-out yeah, yeah. open layup. He just boned he, it. That he boned. And going back to the play to give him more to give him credit, you know he's struggling all game. Mm-hmm. You know, Beeline still trusted him. I'm assuming the play in practice has been run for like to him through him. Yeah. So so I mean they were cool with trusting him with that situation. And you talk about it's not the way it was drawn up. Yes, but I do believe I was listening to some interviews. It's a play where that's that's how you start it, and he's got the the ball handler has two or three options. Yeah. That he can take because Mo was Mo was leaking to the left as well. So it's either him, which you're going to think, and that with that amount of time, it's going to be Mar taking the shot. Yeah. The fact that's that what... he had the patience to not panic, 
And we've we've seen countless times at the end of games, we've seen guys take, you know, full court heaves with two seconds, two, yeah, two yeah, and a yeah, half yeah. seconds on the clock just out of panic. He was able to, you know, remain calm under duress and find Jordan Poole, who was 0 for 9 from behind the arc in the Big Struggling. Ten tournament. Yep. Played a solid game against Houston. He was actually one of the bright spots shooting 3 for 5, mm-hmm. 2 for 4 from 3 with 8 points. But I don't know if you were aware. I think you were, and everybody else out there listening, you can go online and find it. He he made an almost mirror image shot. Kicking his legs out, in which high school. I, I don't like. I don't like the kicking of the legs, well, but whatever. it's fine. I, whatever. <laughs> I said he's got to stop doing that in the future before he I gets mean, offensive fouls. I think John Bewine's answer to that question was he's just full of swag. Or yeah, overdose so on swag. Overdose on swag, which that has to do with the leg kick. But literally mirror image. So he's been mm. there before. He's been ready for the situation. He released that with as much confidence as you can release it. And when that thing rattled home, my heart jumped out of my chest. Yeah, I got showered in all kinds of drinks. My face was doused, my jacket doused. And I wouldn't have had it any other way. Yeah, no, of course not. As you can, I mean, for literally 20 minutes of pure yelling, my voice is here <laughs> two days later. So two days <laughs> later from the incident, only 20 minutes of yelling, lost all all talk ability. Yeah, it's a ridiculous last play. Mark. I think Mar deserves as much. Obviously, Jordan Poole hit the shot, but for Mar to, to be able to after that missed layup, so he he misses, he bones this open layup to tie the game, and he has the ball in his hands again. It'd be easy for him to just heave it from half court, trying to make and up feel like it. I want like I want to be able to take the last shot, but for him to get it to Jordan Poole, it's a, it's a testament to his character and his testament. I, Duncan Robinson said it said it absolutely best um, in his post game interview, and he said that last play kind of summed up what Marr has stood for in his career here at Michigan. He's a veteran guy. He's always done things the right way. He's always been a selfless player, and it showed out on that last play. Now, is Michigan going to advance playing the same way they have in that game? Absolutely not. Hell no. They have no shot. They're playing a Texas A&M team that's playing like a top-four team in the country, as a lot of people said that they were before their injuries and suspensions Mm -hmm. uh, uh, caught up with them earlier this year. 62% 62% of their game time minutes on the floor, they have ten, three six ten players on the court at one time. And that may, we talked about that, that may spell trouble because at that point, we said Matthews or Livers is going to have to guard one of them because you can't play Mo and Matthews Teske. Matthews and Livers are going to have to guard yeah. one of them. Oh, yeah, because three. three of the t- So, I mean, Matthews is athletic enough. Livers can get, who I, I don't know much about Tyson A&M. Uh, if one of them is more of a low post player, Livers can maybe take him. He's a little bit beefier. Right. Uh, but that means Duncan Robinson's going to have to step up and guard a 6'10 guy. We'll see if he's capable of doing that because he's playing big minutes now. He's one of the guys that Beeline's leaning on in lieu of Livers and Poole. Like he, Duncan Robinson's more of, I guess, seasoned. They play. They play some big games. Yeah, he's played in, in the in the crunch games. time minutes, he's he's going yeah. to be a little bit more calm. Is he physically as gifted at some points? No, Mm-mm. but remember, I mean, thinking back to the first half of that Houston game, he was the only guy that could make a shot. Yeah, early on, he was. I think he's the, the sad thing is I think he started three for three and he finished. Oh the yeah, game three for yeah, nine. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he missed his last. He six, was steaming hot in the beginning. Yeah, and then they and then they stopped feeding him, and then the one time they did feed him, he took a contested little floater from the side to cool himself off. But I don't know, man. I still believe because I can't bet against John Beeline and nobody else should either. Yeah, Beeline, 
we'll get into this later, but now Beeline has become, in my mind, one of the elite coaches in basketball. I'd say now the best coach in the Big Ten. We'll talk about Izzo a little bit later, but he's, and we said it before here, last year before the Big Ten tournament, I thought that Beeline was coaching for his like career. Yeah. Job. I wouldn't say career. Career in Michigan. Yeah. Job. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but he was he was on the edge for me. But after these last two tournaments, last year's Big Ten tournament, this year's tournament, now in the Sweet 16 again, he's proven himself. Now he's getting love nationally as well. So it's not just people in Ann Arbor, Michigan fans. People nationally are finally yeah, recognizing and talking about how, how good of a coach he is. Because he's doing it on the biggest stage, and he's doing it with guys that people haven't heard of in the early in the season. Mm-hmm. You know, he's doing it with less talent. I mean, regardless of what you want to say, Maybe up to this point, you know, some of the young guys on this team have a lot of talent, and that's not really a secret. But from the start, I mean, every every group of recruits he gets in, because he does everything the old-fashioned way, you know, he comes in with less talent. And he's not a guy that originally, caught, you know, young prospects were going to come looking into, you know, as a road to the NBA. Mm-hmm. But because of the way that he does things and his, you know, prospects and his assistant coaching and the way that they're able to develop players – I believe that Michigan has as many first-round draft picks in the past five years as anybody in the country. Mm-hmm. He's still not getting the the big recruits. I understand. I th- he's I think, got a couple big. Recruits I think coming, coming up, next year. coming in, but he's not playing with big-time recruits right now. I mean, I guess Matthews. I think it has to do but with a little Ma- bit of his process and how Matthews know, a transfer. Everything. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, he's not. He's not one that's. I mean, he's never had a one and done, has he? I mean, Trey Burke left after two years. Darius Morris left after two years, but no one's been a one and done. I don't know if I don't know much about the upcoming class if any of those guys are one and done. But this team is the the ones that the team needs to lean on going forward are upperclassmen and Mo Mo Wagner and Mar. Like those two guys need to play well. Mo played decently well with foul trouble. He had twelve points, seven rebounds. Mar struggled from the field, 4 of 15, 0 for 6 from 3. Those two guys need to play well. Because you can't re- you, you can't rely on Matthews, Livers. Simpson's not offensively gifted. Defensively, he's a menace, but offensively, you can't depend on him. So those two guys, for me, have to play well against Texas a and I, I believe they will. I'll be, st- I'll be stunned if they lose to Dex- Texas A&M. Because I think with another week off, they'll be able to regroup. And then I I think beat Texas A&M. Yeah, I think Thursday. the rest is big, and the fact that they have two games under their belt is nice. The rest is big, not from the rest standpoint. It's, it's big from my uh, perspective for the preparation standpoint. Yeah. John Beeline's going to have four days to sit, watch some film, communicate things with the team, make sure that they're ready to go. Just because, as we know, halftime adjustments, he's one of the best there is in yeah. the country. But, no, I couldn't agree more with you 100% that the guys moving forward – that all of this is kind of resting on to step up is Muhammad Ali, Abdul Rahman, and Mo Wagner. Like you said, Mo Wagner didn't play absolutely terrible. He was kind of, you know, menaced by a little bit of foul trouble. Which, he had a quiet game overall. You know, which the officiating has been questionable, I think, in regards to him just because of mm-hmm. the persona that he's earned in the past couple weeks in the NCAA. But Charles Matthews had a big game against Montana. Charles Matthews has big games in the games that we like have to grind out and aren't mm. playing our best. And he's That's a good that point. Guy. He's like that fallback guy that every once in a while has to has to put up a lot of points in order for us to grind out wins. Xavier Simpson, I think he struggled offensively because he felt the need that he had to. Oh yeah, 
stick his neck out on the offensive end to try to make something happen because everybody else was struggling so much. But he's a guy that's at his best when he's shutting guys down on the defensive end, letting the ball come to him, making sure to push the ball in transition. Yeah, I was going to say transition, he's he's pretty good in and transition. That, that gets him in the flow. So I think when the shots start coming to him with the other guys being more successful, I mean, hell, if Muhammad Ali Abdul Rahman shoots 25% from three, it's like a completely different game just because mm-hmm. guys are um, having to worry about him behind the arc and it opens things up for Xavier as well. So I think if Mo and Mark can step their games up to – 70% of what they were doing at the end of the Big Ten tournament. That opens things up greatly mm-hmm. for all the other guys on the team. And it's I think we're in for an inst- another instant classic against Texas A&M. Like you said, I'll be shocked if we lose too, but I think, I don't, I think by no means it's going to be a blowout on either side. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to buy into Texas A&M as one of these big-time... I understand a lot of talent. They had the injuries. But they had to come back against Providence the round before and win by four. They had to grind that one out. They played spectacular against UNC in Charlotte. So it was a home game. They played basically at UNC and won. They're either very, very good or, or terrible. <laughs> I so mean, it's just a matter of which team shows up. That's what it's going to come down to. Y- Michigan has to shoot well from three as well. So what they, they shot, what, eight for 30? We're shooting 28% thus far in the tournament. Which, total that needs to change as well. I think more s- with the preparation as well, they're in a bit of a funk offensively. So be able to get a few days off, come back to Ann Arbor, get some shots up. I think that'll serve them well. I they won't be here long though, because it's in LA. So they're, they're probably they're taking off tomorrow. They're taking off tomorrow. Yep. Um but yeah, a couple days off. One thing I was a little bit taken aback by, and I mentioned it to you, uh ESPN sports writer uh, Myron Metcalf, every year he reseeds the teams mm. after, you know, we get to the sweet sixteen. He has Michigan overall ranked out of the Sweet 16 at 15. He has them as the second worst team remaining in the Sweet 16. Which we said before coming on, I if you if he's ranking it based solely upon this weekend, fine. But still, man, but he's, got Cle- Michigan- he's got Clemson ranked third. Yeah, but but exactly. So Clemson just came off a 31 point win against Auburn. So that if if he's doing it just solely on two games, I guess I. I like whatever Kansas at ten. Whatever, yeah, okay. So there you go. If Kansas is at ten, it's based on t- two games. Because yep. what what did Kansas do? They they just beat they, Seton they Hall. Seton Hall by four. Yeah. Okay, and they struggled against Penn. You're not going to tell me you're going to pick nine teams to beat Kansas right now in the tournament. Yeah, that was another thing I found interesting too. Another stat: Kansas of the remaining um, six, Sweet Sixteen teams. Has played against eleven or six of them eleven times. They have eleven games against their remaining Sweet Sixteen teams. Really? They're ten and one in those games. Wow. Yeah. So that was an interesting stat. They've almost played against half the remaining teams. We'll get into the. That reminds me of another stat, but let's just finish off with Michigan here. So they they have Texas A and M Thursday. I we both think they're going to win. I don't think it's going to be a big win. I'm thinking something like five, six, seven point win. It'll be close. Obviously, it's it's now March. I think it's probably first to sixty-five again. The way Michigan's been playing defense, yet yeah, we didn't talk about it enough. Xavier Simpson did an amazing job on Gray from Houston, especially in the first half. He made everything tough on him. Gray ended up getting his twenty-three, but it was on twenty-two shots. And there were a few times in the first half where Xavier Simpson stopped transition plays by himself, 
just by himself, three and ones, two and ones, just by himself, forcing them to the outside, not letting them get anything in the middle in transition. So he'll obviously be a key. The defense has been spectacular, as we've said. Uh, After that, the other side of the bracket in this region is Florida State versus Gonzaga. Who do you have in that game? Let's just, if we want to. I think Florida State's going to blow them out. Really? Gonzaga? No, 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 no. Gonzaga. Scrag. Okay. I think I think Gonzaga is gonna like blow out Florida State okay. personally. So I mean, the the region has played out in a way that I've said I said in the before the tournament started, Michigan has to make the Final Four. Anything besides the Final Four for me would be a bit of a disappointment, just because the way they were playing. I thought in the Big Ten tournament they looked like one of the best teams in the country, if not the best team in the country. I went as far as saying they look like the best team in the country in that Big Ten tournament against State and then Purdue. Yeah. So at this point, if they regroup and they can play anywhere near where they can, I think it's a it's got to be a Final Four berth. And from there, we can go from there. No question about but it. But they have to win against Texas A&M on Thursday. Yeah, one step at a time. And I know that, I think B-Line will have that you know on their primary focus. And they should be humbled a bit. By these first two games, yeah, they, they know should they be can't look. They can't look ahead. They know that, and they need to start off strong. We didn't even talk about the first four minutes of both games. S- couldn't score against Montana for the first four minutes, and then what was it? We were at the under sixteen. Well, they had one point. We were down six one. Yeah. So they got to start off start off better than that. Uh, you were talking about how Kansas has played many teams left in the mm-hmm. in the tournament. So. Obviously, the big upset of the week, the weekend, was UMBC against uh, Let's go against Virginia. So what's shocking? I saw that there was this that they had seven. They were seventeen and one in the ACC, and the ACC had I think it was like eight or nine teams in the tournament, and they just ran through them all season long, and they come up against. I don't know if anyone knew what the the abbreviation stood for before halftime. So University of Maryland, Baltimore County comes in here from the, I think, the America East, which they won off a buzzer beater from Lyles, Jarius Lyles. Yes. And they go in there and they get stomped. Stomped. The first half it was 21-21. The second half, they UMBC scored 53 points. What they end up winning by 20. Yep. 74-54. They lost to Kansas State yesterday, which is a little bit heartbreaking, but... Let's get your thoughts on the 16-1. I, is it the biggest upset in college and in, in sports? Because I think you're going to agree it's the biggest upset in college basketball history. Yeah, it's if anybody disagrees with you, they don't know what they're so talking about. So in sports, in American sports, is it the biggest upset? I can't think of anything else. I can't think of anything else. Yeah, I mean, off the top of my head, no. I can't think of anything else either. And I, I mean, the CBS guys were discussing it. The fact that they dominated in the fashion that they did puts it ahead of most others that come to mind. You know, I mean, Appalachian State, Michigan, the fact that it was a a preseason game, it was a, you know, Michigan had a chance to win it with a last-second field goal. UMBC beat the number one overall seed in an NCAA tournament by 20. In the second half, there was almost never a doubt. I mean, the only other... The only other thing you can get because of the stage and because of the implications of the game, how they were kind of outside of sports, is the 1980 USA Olympic hockey team. Yeah, but that's could be not could be considered American sports because it was international. Oh uh, no, that that we yeah, that's up there for sure. So that one's up there. I've that's, heard. That's the only thing I could throw up against it. Maybe 
maybe uh, Mike Tyson and Buster Douglas. But yeah, so it's the ones I've heard is the knockout of Mike Tyson and then uh, Shamanad beating Virginian Ralph Sampson. In in uh, let's see, eighty two. But that was in the regular season. Whatever, whatever Crazy stuff happens. Yeah, Virginia's the number one overall team in the country. Yeah. And a team with the mascot Golden Retrievers beat them. And I said it when the game was going on. I don't know who signed off on that, on calling the team the Golden Retrievers. But the biggest thing for me that jumped out was that earlier in the regular season, UMBC had a loss mm-hmm. on their resume to Albany by what forty? By forty four. <laughs> They lost to Albany by 44. <laughs> and on uh, pardon the interruption, Kornheiser was because Binghamton, where Kornheiser went to college, yeah. is in that conference. And he said, We beat Albany. Like Binghamton beat Albany, and Albany beat UMBC by, by 40. 44. Unreal. Unreal. And that's what I, it is. I, that's fell, what I fell in love with those guys. They Immediately. Gave, you, could, you could tell that from the tip, I mean, watching that game, those guys were giving everything they had on both sides of the floor and you know people talk about yeah they were shooting the lights out like yeah i mean it just it was a perfect storm they couldn't miss a shot they were out playing virginia no they were the better team. they were the better team. every loose ball was umbc's they wanted it more on defense the footwork was impeccable uh mora the guard five foot nothing lovable all over the court lovable. in the right place on every single what, rebound i wonder what they got him oh they got him listed at 5 8 140 that's not right 5 8 he's five, 140 six. he's 5 6 5 he's 8 freshman, 140 he's freshman year me <laughs> minus <clears throat> 50 pounds oh my gosh they, and they almost beat kansas state too which that would have been that would have been really nice lyles is the guy i fell in love with cuz the guy went nuts against virginia 28 points 9 of 11 from the field just chewing the lights out. Yeah, it, that guy's that guy's lovable. That guy can go mental at times. He struggled against Kansas State. Everybody did. That was an ugly game overall. It was a fifty to forty three game. That's a game that you'd ex that's the kind of game that sixteen seed you'd expect in the beginning would like could have a chance. A game in the forties and fifties. But the first game they were they beat him by twenty. Uh other upsets, you can just pick and choose which ones you want to talk about because obviously all of these we don't have much to say. Uh so Arizona lost to Buffalo, which feels like it feels like it happened a month ago at this point. Yeah, one team can't win you, or one person can't win you a tournament. Yeah, I mean, DeAndre that's what, that's what told us, and it declared in the locker room, which I'm not cool with. Yeah, but I, that's the problem with one and done. I think he's how invested can you be? He he comes to Arizona. I'm gonna be here a year. How how invested can he be? It's not long. Depends team. on the type of player he is. He, he wants to be t- in the NBA. Yeah, well. That that's something that's a red, that's a little bit of a red flag to me oh, for, no. uh, as an NBA team. No, yeah, that he that he declares in the locker room. No, that you're saying how invested is he in winning for Arizona? Well, he can't be as invested as a guy like Muhammad Ali Abdul Rahman because Rahman, well, yeah. he's been there for four years. He's been through a ton. He's just DeAndre is just going to Arizona, putting up twenty twenty a night, being trying to get his draft stock up so he can go to the NBA. If he had the chance, he'd be going to the NBA right now. I understand that, but the fact that he couldn't invest himself into his teammates and his coaches that he's worked with all season long, that he's sweat with, and that he's grind with in order to get blown out by Buffalo by 21. I mean, he can't win the game himself. Don't get me wrong. I understand that, and I'm not putting this all on him. But like, as far as that argument goes, I'm not on board because I'm I mean, not saying that's he's not why, invested. If, if that's why, if that was the reasoning, that's not cool. 
I'm I'm not saying he wasn't invested. I would take him the number one pick. Obviously, he's the best player in the country. I'm saying that him declaring in the locker room rubbed some people the wrong way. Right. And I'm saying that that's something that's a residual effect of one and done. These guys are going to go in the locker room if they're asked if they're going to go to the NBA. He's going to say, "Yeah, I'm going." To the, I'm At yeah. Least I'm declaring he, for the he NBA. was honest. Hey. I mean, a lot of guys. Well, would, yeah. would, I mean, a lot of guys in his situation. Obviously, he's going to the NBA. I think everybody knew that he was going to the NBA. He could have just said, "You know, I'm I'm going to talk with my family and you know move forward in this in this decision making process." But he was just, "I'm going to the NBA." I mean, I already know. He did, he put up 14 and 13. He did somewhat of his job. Mm. I mean, he's averaging 20 and 12. But I don't know, man. That was that was a crazy one, but not like not a game that I was invested in. Um, as much as some of the other upsets mm-hmm. that I enjoyed watching. So the other ones, Loyola, Chicago beat Miami and then Tennessee, a couple crazy games. UNC lost yesterday to Texas A&M, as we've talked about earlier. Marshall beat Wichita State. Nevada came back from, was it 22 down against 22 Cincy? Down. Number two seeded Cincy. A bet was placed in Las Vegas when... Cincinnati was leading by 22. Somebody bet $2,200 that Cincinnati would win the game. If Cincinnati would have won the game, it would have netted $12.65. Lost. Gone. $2,200. Yeah. Poof. (laughs) There were a few of those for Virginia as well. I remember we were watching that game, and there was a couple where people were betting straight up on Virginia to win like 10 bucks, but it takes thousands of dollars to do that. Right. And they just lose it. Are but we're gonna go get a couple burgers after. Well, Virginia I mean, if like, if I got, yeah, I don't know what. It's just a rush, I guess. At that point, it's just a rush for someone that has that money or may not have that money. I don't know. If somebody's making that bet, my they my got guess they, is have they, have, they have to have that money. They. Uh, I, I don't know. know. They're, they're pretty. <laughs> they're, pre- <laughs> they're pretty stupid. Is what <laughs> yeah, I'm no, that, that's what it comes down to. And then uh, Florida State beat another one seed Xavier. That was a fun game to watch. And now the end of that game. No, no, that wasn't the same. The one, the one region that got blown up is the one with Loyola, Nevada, and uh, Kansas State who beat UM, UMBC. Right. So now Kentucky's the five seed, and the worst case road they have is Kansas State, and Nevada. Yeah, and I honestly, I mean, they're the overwhelming favorite, regardless the, of what you want to say. No, about yeah, the other teams, they're overwhelming favorite. Loyola, Chicago, obviously is. Honestly, probably my second like team to win that to come out of that region. Over Nevada and uh, Kansas State. Yes, I would love that. I they, would love a Kentucky Loyola Loyola's Elite a, Eight. Loyola is a thirty-win team. They know yeah, how they to know win. how to win. They know how to win. Um, the what, other, go now, ahead. What, what was crazy about me? Sorry, another thing. Quick on the South region. South region. Just to repeat: Kansas State, Kentucky, Loyola, Nevada. The teams remaining. Mm-hmm. There's no perfect brackets, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. 405 people have that region correct. That's nuts. Out of, it's like 17 million, because all these things are like the ESPN. No, I'm, I can't believe that that many people have this oh, region. Oh, really? Right. How, do you, how are you going to pick these four teams that come out of the South? My Lanta. I've heard a lot of people who had Loyola Chicago in the Sweet 16. I almost picked one. I like, I like had Because it was a popular first it, round. I switched it when I went back in my bracket. It was I had a pot, yeah. 16. But yeah, I mean you, that takes picking a Kansas State upset on Virginia. Who, yeah, I I I would think you had them pick like being Virginia, Kentucky's yeah Kentucky you, you can just slot through they could, you could pick them to beat Arizona, but even then that's a toss up yeah. before the tournament. Yeah, I when when did usually we get to 
maybe the elite eight before we start getting people that like when there's zero perfect brackets. Th- it was halfway it was through the Sweet Sixteen games, yeah, and people were out of it. No, 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 no. Was it before? It was after the, it was. Was it round of thirty-two? As soon as UMBC won, there were zero. Really? As soon as oh, because it was the, the last game. game of the yeah. After of the, the night. first round, there was no perfect brackets left. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, because I I think. I believe there's now I think eight million brackets have a national champion that have lost, mm-hmm. which comes from obviously Virginia Xavier, UNC, MSU, MSU game we can get into as well. They lost to Syracuse yesterday by two. Thank God. And I'm not that. I'm, I'm not with the, the the thing where rooting against the Big Ten teams in the tournament. I'm not rooting against the Big Ten team. I'm rooting against Michigan State. I think that's really unfair. We have a lot of friends at MSU. You're wishing a lot of grief upon them. Um, anyway. I'm not wishing grief upon them, no. I love my <laughs> friends. I want nothing but happiness for all of my Except friends. Except when it comes to basketball. <laughs> Miles Bridges and the rest of that team, I'm glad they lost. I'm glad they're watching from home the rest of the tournament. Well, be careful because if we're lucky, we'll have Miles Bridges as a piston. Anyway, they nah, lost. I'm not. I'm not. I don't want a guy that's going to go four of eighteen in the big games. I'm, let's just move on here. Sorry. They, <laughs> I take Miles Bridges every day of the week, and the other guy, the big time player, Jaron Jackson Jr. So this is what the discussion has come out from the MSU game. Jaron Jackson Jr., who some people call a top five prospect in the consensus upcoming draft. Top five pick. Is it consensus? consensus I've top seen top five three, top every five. Single, some people just say lottery pick. Every mock draft I've seen has him at three. Really? Yeah. He played 15 minutes. Ben Carter. <laughs> ben Carter, let's see. Let me click on him because I don't know what he looks like. It sounds like a movie. Yeah. Like the, the title of the movie is just oh, Ben Carter. I, w- I click on his thing on uh, ESPN. They don't have a picture of him. Yeah, no picture. Figures. He played 23 minutes. Jaron Jackson Jr. played 15 minutes. Nick Ward played 16. Xavier Tillman played 22. I. Izzo is now in three straight tournaments. Has just dropped the ball. Just dropped the ball. I believe it's one win now in three tournaments. Or maybe two tournament wins. But the Middle Tennessee State's an ugly loss. This loss against Syracuse is ugly. Ugly. 2-3 zone, they took, they took 37 threes. Missed 29 of them. They missed a three every oh, minute and a half. Man. They just missed a three every Which minute and a half. Which isn't like Michigan State. It's not. That's not their game plan. You got Miles Bridges who can shoot from the outside. Good shooter overall. I like him a little bit better when he's driving towards the basket. Obviously, he's getting easier looks. Jaron Jackson Jr., he didn't play that much, but I feel in a 2-3 zone, you have Miles Bridges or Jaron Jackson Jr., throw him in the middle. Put him at the free throw line. Bounce pass, turn. Drop step. Take take a, take a floater from 12 or go get a layup. That's not what they did. Miles Bridges was hung, hung around 30 feet away from the basket. Tom Izzo now has some questions to answer. Because the last three tournaments, he's not been Mr. March. And like I said, now of recent... Success and failure in terms, uh, in the case of Izzo, Beeline has now become, I think, the best college basketball coach in the state. And it's weird how the the roles have reversed now because Harbaugh for ba- uh, for football is the big time name, big time coach. Izzo was, but now D'Antonio is 
leading what looks like to be a better football program. And now Michigan looks like the much better basketball program. You discussed it. If John Bewine's the same blood type, he needs a kidney, I got him covered. <laughs> That's how I highly you think of John Bewine. It's an ugly loss for MSU. It's an ugly loss. Yeah, especially with where the program was at and is at, really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I listened to John Beeline's game av- or interview after the game. A lot of focus. I mean, credit to him. He focused on giving his players a lot of credit. But it was in a perspective that was a little bit hard for me to stop. I mean, because of all the different hardship that Izzo had to go through, the questions he had to yield, the, you know, rumors that he had to deal with about himself, he over and over was giving credit to his players for getting him through this season and mm-hmm. kind of rallying around him because he said that's usually what I have to do for my players in this season is the first time that I can never repay them and be thankful enough for what these players have done for me this season, which was cool to hear, but at the same time, it's 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 unfortunate that they're nodding out in this in the tournament at this point, you know, for their own sake. But I mean, Tum Tum Nair in his interview was, you know, incredible too, talking about perspective, yeah. and the fact that he was able to as to a step senior. up in the locker room, talk to his guys, and because I mean, you can only imagine what they're feeling with all the expectations. They've, coming they've in. had a long season. I mean, they won thirty games. They went thirty and five. Long season, a lot of outside noise. It's unfortunate for them because this is—it's been said over and over. It's the most talented team Izzo has had, and it might be the most talented team he ever has. Now, maybe he excels better when he's coaching up guys, has them in the beginning of the season, and they're—they're they're supposed to be one of the better teams in the country. But usually, it happens where he gets to coach them up starting the beginning of the. Big Ten season, and they peak in March. But they peaked early this year, another quick exit for MSU. For the rest of the tournament now, we've talked a little bit of Michigan's region and the South region. So in the, in the West region, we have, well, let's start at the top, South region. We got Kansas State, Kentucky, Loyola, Nevada. You said Kentucky. Mm-hmm. I also have Kentucky. And Michigan's one. Florida State. Zags, Michigan, Texas A&M. Do we agree that Michigan, we believe, should be in the Final Four? No, they will be. Okay. Uh, The East, we got Villanova, West Virginia, Texas Tech, Purdue. So this is the closest to chalk region. It's a 1-5 and a 3-2. Yep. Purdue without Isaac Haas, who's out with a fractured elbow. Mm -hmm. Who do you got coming? Do you have Villanova coming out of there? I do not. You don't? Who do you got? I do not. I have West Virginia coming out of that. that, um, They've been playing... Under the radar, I think, for mm-hmm. this tournament. Because they've beaten on lower-seeded teams. So, sort of rightfully so. But yeah. I've watched, a, I don't know why, but I, I, mean, I think it was because <laughs> I originally had them in my Final Four. And no, this isn't me tooting my own horn because my national championship game was Michigan State versus Virginia. So, so eh. <laughs> don't, don't get on me for that. But I did have them originally, and I've watched a lot of their games this tournament, and they've been clicking on all mm-hmm. cylinders, executing on both sides of the floor. And they have a lot of veteran talent that you can go to in down the stretch. They have guys, they have Carter, the guard, um, who can go and get them a bucket whenever they want to and down low. They got a lot of guys that can rebound. So I really like them coming out of probably what's the most talented region remaining. I'd say so. Um, minus Isaac Haas. Obviously Purdue's hobbled, but um, The fact all that they were all. able to grind out a win against Butler, it's, I would say it has to be the most talented region left. 
So you got West Virginia, and then who do you have them beating just for argument's sake? Do you have Texas Tech or Purdue winning that game? Um, who do you have them going through? I Does it I not mean, matter? I think Purdue. You think Purdue's going to come out with they're them? I think they're rallying around Haas. The, the fact the, that they were the able to Ewing grind effect. out against a solid Butler team, that game wasn't easy for them. And I don't think yeah, Haas, yeah, yeah. I don't think Haas is ruled out for this game either. I believe he has to get his brace approved, approved. by the NCAA. If he plays with a broken elbow, props to him. Jeez, he would. Yeah, he's gonna would, be even more, more of a that cyborg. Would more so confirm that he's a robot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's I, I, I have Villanova. No, I that's think, fair. I think there's. It's not. It yeah. The, a lot of people think the best it. team remaining in the tournament because they most got those cons- most consistent team. I mean, all season really. Yeah, they got Michael Bridges and uh, Jalen Brunson. To both of those guys can go for thirty any night. Full disclosure, before saying those names, if you would have asked me to name one player on Villanova, I wouldn't have been able to do it. I just knew their last name, so I knew I'd seen some games. And Bridges and Brunson are really I talented wouldn't, players. Wouldn't have gotten the last names myself, but continue. <laughs> I th- they're both up for. I think they got a ton of postseason. Uh, yeah, things. To, uh, Brunson's averaging nineteen and five. Bridges eighteen and five. It's no no discredit to them. More of a yeah 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 discredit yeah yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then the final one, we got Kansas, Clemson, Syracuse, Duke. This is tough for me because I'm really torn between Kansas and Duke. I'm going Duke. I I thought it, I thought that Duke and UNC were going to be on a collision course. Yeah, for the national title. Duke's looked really really good, but I've I've had a feeling I've had an inkling about Kansas getting to the I title, don't title trust, game. I don't trust Kansas. They have. They haven't is. seemed to have been able to win late in tournaments. So, squeaked we'll out against Seton Hall. So yeah, your final four. My final four is it's Kentucky, Michigan, Villanova, Duke. Okay, and then I'm going. I'm not a bracket guy though, so I'm probably gonna get all four of those wrong. Yeah, Kentucky, Michigan, West Virginia, uh, Kansas for myself. Yeah, making it easier on us with 16 teams to pick, pick from. Right. Yeah, all of mine will not out in the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> that'll do it for us here. Fun weekend of college basketball. Another fun one coming up this weekend. A lot of big games. We'll be back next week to recap those. Look forward to the final four. Yeah, hopefully next time uh, y'all are hearing my voice, it'll be the same one you've grown to know. And well, we'll we'll see if Michigan advances to the final four this weekend. It's it might be worse. It might yeah, actually, be worse you know next what? So, week. So yeah, hopefully hopefully it's uh, worse. Next time we're on the air, <laughs> I'm a shadow of myself, <laughs> and you hear a squeak here and there. <laughs> you did good. I'm proud of you. A lot of heart. Appreciate that. <laughs> a lot of heart and grit from you today. It means a lot. <laughs> Episode 29, fun weekend, fun one coming up. Thursday, 737, Michigan game. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to make it back to scorekeepers. We won't I, make we, it. To, I mean, I can't make it to scorekeepers. Yeah. Because, I mean, we'd go at like 10, but why would I go to score? I have, a, I have an exam the next day. Right. I got to get to bed. Right. Let's say we get to the Elite Eight. Hopefully we get to the Elite Eight. Fingers crossed. Saturday night. And we'll, we'll Join see us. Everybody listening. We'll see if, at Scorekeepers. Uh, you see Michigan in the Elite Eight, hit up Scorekeepers on uh, <laughs> Maynard Street. Downtown Maynard Street, Ann Arbor. yeah. Downtown Ann Arbor. That'll do it for us. Good good talking to you, Mac, today. Yeah, you too. You have a good week. I'll see you during the week. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you for listening. For Cody McKay, I'm Bogart Leip. As always, go blue.